tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Good morning, Swarm, man. Welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to join me as always, Xavier Guerrero and Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. How are you guys? We're doing good. Why was wrong? Oh, yeah. Okay. It was a sad day for Johnny yesterday. His, uh, his team was a little behind, but we have, we believe. We believe. <laughs> uh, guys, thanks for tuning in to Tim Full Hat. We love you very much. If you want to see me live, I'm, uh, you can get all my dates at .com. Uh Next Wednesday night, well, I'm in Vegas for Skank Fest. This whole, I'll be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Come Ooh. say hi. Love to see you guys. Come hang out. Should be a fun, weird weekend. It's always the best. Then the following Wednesday, we have Comedy Chaos. It is a banger of all banger shows. Nothing but bangers, bro. So come check that out. All the tickets are at samtriplee.com. And then in November the 11th and 12th, I'm at the Kansas City Comedy Club. So come get weird. You got a show? Uh, no, but thank you for everybody who came out to El Monte. That was a great time, man. Thank you, Swarm. You crush, crush, bro. Crush. crush. So good. Thank you all the ladies who love <laughs> XG. Guys, thank you so much. Real quick, what is your social media? Uh, XG marks the spot in any social media. Okay. Johnny A. Woodard on Instagram. Johnny Woodard on Twitter. Uh, you can see me at uh, Sam Tripoli on Instagram, and you can get me at uh, uh, official, is it Tripoli official? Official Tripoli. Official Tripoli. Uh, it's on Instagram and it is on Twitter. And I dropped all my bombs on Twitter. Got, Sorry. Did we lose him? Did he quit? Okay. Anyways, Sorry, listen. Sorry. Uh, we're always shadow banned all the time. The 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 podcast has a, a Instagram called uh, what's it called? Tinfoil Hat Podcast. Podcast on, on Instagram. It's on it's Instagram. Popping. Yeah, People grab that too, and get on the email list at samtriple.com. Grab the email list. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, our guest has uh, um, he's very excited to come on. This is a uh, continuation of some of these episodes that we've been doing about the you know. We've talked about Fallen Angels, the Nephilim, uh, the the Watchers. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics. So uh, here to go a little deeper with what he says is some some deep no knowledge on the Sumerians. Please welcome Esoteric Eddie. How are you, Esoteric Eddie? What up, what up? I'm doing great. Good to be here. Good to see you guys. Ready to go deep. All right, man. We're super excited to have you on. Thank you for joining us. I know we had you on a couple weeks earlier, but there was a lot of chaos, and you were nice enough to reschedule. And here we are. So, uh, as to, uh, can I call you Eddie? Am I allowed yeah, to call just, you Eddie? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just weird. Uh, I do say everyone's name, full name, like, hey, Johnny Woodard. Sometimes I'll yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, Eddie, so uh, for our 
listeners who may not be familiar with, with you, and I'll real quick, I just want to say our numbers are up, and I love you guys. Thank you so much. I mean, we're hitting numbers like we've never hit before, and it's all because of you guys. Thank you, Swarm. We love you very much, and we take the responsibilities of really putting out amazing shows, so we work very hard, and we appreciate that you could listen to anybody, but you listen to us, and we appreciate that. So, Eddie, uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Absolutely. So I've been researching the occult, conspiratorial, and esoteric for about 15 years. Uh, my entire life has revolved around this stuff. Uh, I've been an artist uh, for many years, too, <clears throat> and all of my art has revolved around this stuff, too. And um, I recently uh, published a book called The Lucifer Mystery Revealed, which I spoke about on this show earlier this year. Um, but I just released a new book titled The Anunnaki Theorem, which I'm here to talk about today. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Esoteric Eddie and YouTube at Esoteric Eddie TV. Well, brother, uh, we're excited to have you on and make sure uh, to email me all those links so we can have them in the description. And if you're looking for him, just look below in the description. Uh, very excited about this topic. It is a topic that we uh, love to discuss on here. It is such, who are the Anunnaki? What do they represent? Uh, you know, Eddie used to be, as he said, I used to be balls deep in Anunnaki. And then I started <laughs> to think, and he's like, I think they're a psyop. I don't think they're a psyop. Uh, I think it's, I think like what they represent is the real discussion. And I just love it. And it's this hidden history. And, you know, uh, all the Sumerians, Mesopotamia, all that stuff is like, what is really going on? What don't they want us to know? Why are they hiding it from us? And I think that's a big thing. So where would you like to start, brother? Yeah, for sure. I just want to talk about the uh, the book that I just put out a little bit, and then um, we'll get into that. Perfect. Um, so I just released this book. I have a documentary version of it, too, that you can find on uh, my YouTube channel if you're not ready to buy the book. But this book is actually uh, a revision of the first book I ever published back in 2018, but it was trash. Um, I wasn't as good of a writer uh, as I am now. So I went back after I had success with the Lucifer book, I went back to my first book and decided to try and do it justice, pretty much scrapped it and rewrote the entire thing. So it's pretty much a brand new book. <clears throat> and um, I have no problems with that either, by the way. I just want you to know that I, I know comedians who like when they're super young, they'll go find an old bit that they did that they have kind of updated it. And if it's like they'll redo it on a like they'll do it on an album and then they'll redo it on a special. I, I have no problems with if you feel like you can update it and make it better. Has, redo a, it. has a comic ever done a greatest hits? I, I've always that's my about next it. thing after I put out this next uh, album. Uh, that's the next thing I'm gonna the do. The wheelchair stripper. Uh, I don't know if I'll oh, do dude, that one. It would be one. so funny to see you try to do that now with all the physical like flopping it's around. Too, it's oh. too much. I'm too old. That would be hilarious. It's on. It's on the. It's on the. Uh, that's table. my request. Oh, that's okay. my request. All right. All right. So yeah, I like it. So keep going. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. Yeah, man. I mean, so <clears throat> I just wanted to do it justice, and uh, I wanted to take a look at this information with a new, like a fresh mind, because when I originally wrote it, I was like a Sitchin fanboy, was into, you know, his pretty much his paradigm of the of the subject, but I decided to take a, a critical look at the stuff this time around and just look at it from my own perspective and uh, come up with my own conclusions. So that's what this book is. It's, it's, it's centered around the Anunnaki, but it's more so uh, a comparative theology piece about 
the general concept of God and how that has progressed throughout our current human history within, you know, the six to 7,000 year timeline that we're in. I love that. And I think that is the real, well, what, you know, when I did Rogan, he was like, what, who are they and why are they lying to us? And I'm like, well, they are the occult and they're lying to us because they don't want us to know how special we are. And that's my real do my belief. And all this is a part of that. Like the origins of man, like you, it's so funny. They're like, if I go, Hey man, uh, scientists believe that we came from monkeys. They don't really have that one part of the puzzle where we go from a monkey to a man, but let's trust them. And then someone comes, well, there's these Anunnaki and they did this stuff with us. They made it and blah, blah, blah. You're crazy talk guy, crazy talk guy saying crazy talk stuff. They can't explain why the brain yeah. grew so large yeah, in yeah, such yeah. a amount of time. That's the whole thing. Like, like, they'll, yeah. they'll accept an, uh, a theory that has missing pieces. But when you think you have the piece, they like dismiss you as a crazy person. It makes me laugh. Uh, so, yeah, so, so tell us a little bit more about your book. For sure, man. Well, yeah, I mean, like what you just said, you know, we have the theory of evolution or whatever. But when we look at what our ancestors told us, we see a whole different story you know and i know nowadays anunnaki is is like an oversaturated term and subject you know ancient aliens has covered it so many times gaia tv and all this stuff you know it's saturated but i think we've kind of uh kind of lost touch with how important this subject really is and what's fascinating is we've only known about them for about 150 years since we rediscovered sumer in the 1800s and so And what's more interesting, really, or just as interesting, is not just the Anunnaki, but the Sumerians themselves. You know, so we, we can debate all day long whether the Anunnaki were real or not, but who were definitely real were the Sumerians, our ancestors in Mesopotamia. And they are the ones who wrote about them and told us about them. So I guess I'd like to start kind of with them and, and what they thought about the world and creation. Because I'm down, everything- dude. I find this super interesting. I personally believe that this is why we have wars where we have wars mesopotamia that's a that the the the, where life began that's my humble opinion yeah man yeah so um all abrahamic faiths well the three major ones judaism islam and christianity all are basically renditions are based off of the sumerian mythologies and that's proven time and time again And for example, is uh, the creation stories. And even some of the old religions outside of the Abrahamic faiths are are, uh, influenced from the Sumerian creation stories. For example, the Egyptian pyramid texts. Uh, The Egyptian pyramid texts are some of the oldest known religious texts uh, as of right now, going back to the third millennium BC. And uh, we found them in several or a few different pyramids in Saqqara, Egypt. And what they are are just about 4,000 lines inscribed inside of these tombs. And, uh, excuse me. And so these, these 4,000 or so lines are, are uh, going back to the third millennium BC. And they talk about their ideas on, on creation and stuff like that. But they're more so actually meant to be chanted. Their incantations meant to be chanted as the pharaohs being buried. But with those coupled with later Egyptian stories give us their idea of creation. And what they stated, the Egyptians, is that in the beginning there was this darkness. 
this watery, etherical darkness. And out of that darkness was spawned the first consciousness that they call Atum, A-T-U-M. And then after Atum, um, who was an androgynous being, came the, um, the elements, the raw elements that were personified as sentient. And then after the elements came the archetypal gods. And then after the, ar- the archetypal gods came humans. And then a bunch of things happened. We went to war with, with uh, one of the gods and he killed many of us and they dipped out or whatever. So that's their story um, in a nutshell. And uh, also one of the oldest religious uh, texts is the, the text of, the, of Zoroastrianism going far back into, uh, you know, 1400 BC. And Zoroastrianism is one of the precursors to monotheism, and it was born out of uh, ancient Persia. And Zoroaster, the, the legendary prophet of Zoroastrianism, came to rectify his, his, the religion and beliefs of his people because they were polytheistic and they believed in animal sacrifice and all these other weird things. And so he had this vision and basically Ahura Mazda, the god of Zoroastrianism, told them that, you know, he's here to set things straight and, and wake the people up and make them realize that what they're doing is wrong and that there are two forces in the universe. Um, this guy, Angramanyu, also known as Ahriman and Ahura Mazda, and that people need to focus on Ahura Mazda, so on and so forth. I get into that in my book, not necessarily uh, totally important right now, but I'm getting into it because Zoroastrianism, again, is one of the oldest religious, um, one of the oldest religions that we have. And their text, the Gathas, are some of the oldest religious texts available to us, again, going back to the 1400 BC. So let me ask but you something the, real quick. So these, yeah. this god had a problem with animal sacrifice? Um, subsequently, you know, I don't know if that was directly written, but, but it is written, I guess, in commentaries that Zoroaster or, uh, Zarathustra, as he's known in, in Persia, he, he grew up in the Royal courts and, and prior to him having his revelation hit the religions of his time in ancient, um, Iran, you know, ancient Persia, uh, they were polytheistic and they did believe in animal sacrifice and stuff like that. And for some reason that didn't set well with him and later on his God too. So I can tell just, you, dude, I have a bunch of my friends who did like, uh, uh, ayahuasca and they've met these DTs who told them not to eat animals. And I've always found that really interesting. So this one guy that I had on like zero, my zero podcast, he won't even eat pizza. Like he can't eat pizza because it has cheese, cheese on it. Dairy. I'm like, dude, you, you did it. You did ayahuasca and now you can't eat pizza. Like, that's crazy to me. But, like, this kind of makes, fits into that, that, you know, so I'm not saying you shouldn't eat me. I'm just saying what these guys' trips were. And now we got this God from this very ancient, ancient religion being upset with animal sacrifices. I'm not, maybe I'm making correlations there, but I found that interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's something there, man. I don't know, with eating animals and stuff like that. I try to stay away from pork, if anything, because it's weird how all the ancient religions, you know, they all say that pork is is definitely, like, not a good thing. Yeah, you know, that is weird, right? Well, that's because they didn't know how to cook it. Right? They didn't cook it all the way. <laughs> well, also, pigs are, like, super smart. They're smarter than our dogs. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of the ancient, uh, well, I mean, especially the early Jewish laws, that you translated to like modern times, you realize that they're actually a lot to do with sanitation mm-hmm. or like you're saying, actually, you know what I mean? Like, and, and you like burying plates that get contaminated and shit like that. It suggests some knowledge of, uh, better, 
better safe than sorry type Germs. of shit. Like you're better off not eating pork because if you don't know how to cook it right, you could fucking get really sick and die. Yeah, man. It just depends. Yeah, I'll do some chicharrones, you know what I mean? But like, just, you know, I try to stay away from it. But yeah, man, going back to Zoroastrianism. So it's, it's one of the oldest religions and um, it's, it's very, uh, very few people still practice it, but it was influenced by the Vedas and the Vedas are even older than, than Zoroastrianism and the Gathas and specifically the Rig Veda. And the Vedas actually influenced Zoroastrianism and modern-day Hinduism. There are hints of the Vedas in both of those religions and cultures. And the Rig Veda is, is the oldest of the Vedas. And in its creation story, known as the Nasadiya Sukta, which I have a, um extended 432 hertz version of on my YouTube channel that you can meditate to, talks about, again, the beginning being this, this watery darkness and out of this watery darkness being born the first consciousness and then again the the elements the gods and then humans and so going back further than, than both of those and um is the sumerian version but before we get into that version i'd also like to mention the old testament version because again in the old testament which was written basically a thousand years later than the Egyptian and um, Zoroastrian version talks again. And if you, if you read Genesis, the very first opening lines are, you know, and, and the earth was without form and void and out of the darkness, you know, the face of God was upon the waters. So there's this imagery with all these ancient cosmological tales about a darkness, a being and water. And um, older than all of those versions is the Sumerian version. And it's 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 told in the Enuma Elish, and uh, the most intact version is the Babylonian version uh, of the Enuma Elish. And this story was so important to our ancient Mesopotamian ancestors that it was reenacted every year during the New Year festival in Babylon, known as Akitu. And um, reading from L. W. King's 1902 translation, we find in the opening lines the same imagery, which I quote here. When in the height heaven was not named and the earth beneath did not yet bear a name, there was the primeval Apsu and the mother of the gods, Tiamat, their waters mingled together. So you have this obvious precedent of this whole tale and imagery in the Sumerian Enuma Elish, which was written at the very least 1500 years before the Egyptian version and definitely thousands of years before the Old Testament. I find what I find very interesting is the reference to water, right? And the reason I find that is because there is a real debate is space liquid? Is space, a lot of people want to believe space is empty, like we're just, but there's a real belief. Like Johnny, when Johnny showed me that picture of the star that he saw, uh, the star Capella, and when it's low in the sky, like this time of year. It flashes red and uh, green. You can see even a little hint of blue, and it's purportedly because it's the atmosphere. It's you know it's 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 refracting, and and you're seeing it like kind of like you know the Pink Floyd thing that you're seeing the spectrum of light, the full spectrum of light, kind of flashing there, because the atmosphere is denser. You're you're getting more of the atmosphere when it's lower on the horizon. It's having to pass through more layers of atmosphere. That's what they say. But when you look at it, you're right. It does have it this. It looks kind of, like you're looking at a pool light in a pool. Well, I think it has to be a different substance completely. Like it's like, definitely not air. I don't think it'd feel like it's air if it's definitely. Like, well, there's no air because it would be no oxygen, right? But it's it, there's no. Are you saying like a gas plasma? Like, or yeah, it has to be something else. Cause I'm pretty sure you can like 
put it in a jar just like you put water in a jar inside. Remember that one? And look, it's back space in a jar, dude. Did that T-shirt ever get made? Did that happen? I think we made a couple of them. They were loving it. But I, I find that super interesting. There's been always a debate about what space was. You know, the first time I heard about space being liquid was from a post from... Uh, Greg Carwood from the Higher Side Chats, he had mentioned the theory that space was space was water. And like look at that. Look at that. That looks like it's it's blinking through water. Right there. Like when you put a flashlight in water? Yeah. Right? When you see like you look at the because pool lights will ref- yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like to me. It's not crisp. So I found that interesting. Okay, uh, let's go back. I'm sure everyone's like, just let him talk, Sam. I'm like, well, I find some things interesting. Hey, it's all good, man. I love your guys' show, so I feel like I'm just tuning in. I forget that I'm part of the show. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to talk. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about our friends at my bookie. Listen, your favorite athletes always try to put themselves in a winning position, and it's about time you did, too, with my bookie. My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sporting betting needs anytime, anywhere. Okay, bet on NFL, Major League Baseball, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. If you've been waiting for the right time to get on the action, the time is now. Make your winning move today. Sign up with my bookie, okay? Use the promo code Tin foil hat and claim your deposit match any amount up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code Tin foil hat to claim your bonus. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Fume. Hey guys, are you a current smoker, past smoker, or someone close to you that smokes? Well, listen, that's why you got to check out Fume. Fume is a natural inhaler designed for a better, safer, natural way to quit cigarettes. That's why you got to check out Fume. Fume is the natural inhaler designed for a better, safer, and natural way to quit cigarettes. It's a no-smoke, no-vape, and no-nicotine replacement for the hand-to-mouth habit of smoking. Fume handcrafts wooden inhalers and uses cores infused with plant oils studied to curb cravings. They have flavors like peppermint and conquer with minty notes to simulate menthol cigarettes and other flavors like cozy chai and lemonberry bliss for a sweeter experience. And all of their flavors are 100% natural. That means no harmful chemicals no artificial flavors, and absolutely no nicotine. Quitting is tough, but Fume really can help. They've got thousands of five-star reviews from smokers who have tried everything and found that this works. I gave Fume to Dana, and guess what? She was blown away by how much it's helped with the cravings, okay? Whether you're a smoker or an ex-smoker who still struggles with craving, Fume is a perfect tool for you. Head to breathefume.com slash tinfoil and use the promo code tinfoil and save 10% off your entire order. That is 10% off your entire order when you head to B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M.com slash tinfoil. Use the promo code tinfoil. 
Boil. Yeah, so I'm just I'm just kind of setting this presentation up. You know, we need to understand that these Abrahamic faiths and even these other re- ancient religions were influenced by our Sumerian, uh, you know, ancestors. And that's also very obvious in the Old Testament for many from many different stories, like the the Noah story. Obviously, that one's always used as an example, but it's always used because it's a very obvious one. Um, you know, you have the Noah story where there's one God who's hesitant to kill mankind yet saves us through Noah. And that's an obvious retelling of the Sumerian Atrahasis tale, where it's not one God, but two gods, Enki and Enlil, deciding this conflict. And of course, Enki goes behind Enlil's back and saves us through Atrahasis. And so it's an obvious retelling of the Sumerian story. And interestingly, in the Old Testament, when mankind is being created in Genesis 1.26, it is stated um, in any English version, if you if you were to get your Bible and an English version of your Bible and, and turn to Genesis one twenty six, you will see that it says, "And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness." And theologians have tried to explain the plurality away in so many different philosophy and in all these different things, but. The reason there's plurality there is because the original word used in Hebrew wasn't God, but Elohim. And Elohim is a plural word. So originally it said, and the Elohim said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And that, again, is a rendition of the Sumerian stories. In all of the Sumerian stories where mankind is being created, and as of right now, as far as I know, there's about three instances that that are available to us. Um, in all of those instances were always created by either a mixture of their blood and clay, whatever they mean by clay, or just straight up their blood. For example, there's a Sumerian Akkadian text titled The Creation of Humankind, um, which I'll quote from right here. It says, let us create humankind from their blood, meaning these Anunnaki that are part of this story. Their labor, their labor shall be labor for the gods to maintain the boundary ditch for all time, to set the pickaxe and work basket in their hands, to make the great dwelling for the gods, um, of the gods, worthy to be their sublime sanctuary for celebrating the gods' festivals as they should. So, and in and, and the other two instances, for example, in the Enki and Ninma version, it's Enki and this goddess, his half-sister Ninma, who are commissioned by the other gods to make a surrogate worker for the gods so that they don't have to do all the work. And in that tale, Enki and Ninma create us through a mixture of Anunnaki blood and what is known as clay. And this is an obvious um you know, this is obviously retold in the Old Testament when God makes Adam out of clay and then makes Eve out of his rib. And especially in the Genesis one twenty six statement where it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So right there in the Old Testament in Genesis, you have the Anunnaki being spoken about, just not by name. That's insane, man. And I believe all of it, dude. I just think like, you know the fact that he said that the Hindu uh, Hindus co- have a lot of influence by the Vedics. That just, I mean, because I always I, I always say that I go, you know, you got Judaism, Islam, Christianity, and they're all offshoots of Hinduism. And I always would be like, and Hinduism's probably an offshoot of something else because it just keeps going back farther and farther. And now we hear it that it's part of this Vedic. Then Vedic is part of the old Sumerians. That's incredible. And I believe all of it. And like, you know, 
I, you know, I was talking about this the other day on my uh, on my Zero podcast about how I've been asked to go on this atheist's podcast and oh, you know the debate because I'm a super and, and this guy's my friend. It's not adversarial. So it's just like he wants to come on because he doesn't believe in God and I believe in God. And he wants to have a debate about it or a discussion on it. And he's the nicest guy. I'm not gonna. This isn't. Well, like you've a, been on both sides. I've never not believed in God. I just was never like into organized religion. I just did. I just, you know, again, I, I think this has been done on purpose by these dark arts people to have us have no faith in religious leaders by making them corrupt people that we end up seeing that they're hypocrites, right? Like, oh, the gays are bad. Then you're then you're doing weird stuff with truckers on the weekends, right? So it's like that's all done on purpose. So and it was successful with me at a point to get me not to want to connect with God. But as I, I go on this journey with the show and zero, I start to start seeing that there's there's some real stuff going on and that why would politicians, why would holy men be any different than politicians? Corrupt people put in positions of power to influence us. Same thing with celebrities. Why wouldn't it be religious people? So I, I have no trust in organized religion. I don't think religion, sh I don't think spirituality should be organized. I think that should be between you and your God. And it's a big reason why I don't, I say outside of hurting people and particularly children, I, I, what you do is none of my business. And if it is something that the gods don't want, then that's between you and your God. I'm not going to, I'm not God. I'm not going to judge you. I can't do that. But as long as you're not hurting people, again, in particular children, I, I, it's none of my business what you do. That's my opinion. That may not be popular with some people, but I'm not going to play God. But I've always had to, you know, again, when we had Matt LaCroix on talking on Unaki, and then we had Van Gogh on talking about the same thing, but through a Buddhist perspective, I was like, okay, something's going on. There's something more going on. And then uh, that's when the journey began, this, this, this conversation is where my spiritual journey began. How are you going to handle spirituality with your kids? Because I mean, I'm like, a dude, I am already practicing. Because yeah, I mean, I went straight to church. It was straight. Here's the Bible. You get baptized and here it is. Even though they never believed it, it was that thing where they just I, give I it to you. I don't think they're mothers into organized religion. And I think what I, I will instill to them is that's some low frequency shit you're doing. Okay. Stop with the low vibrational stuff. Okay. <laughs> That's what you're doing. I'm just imagining them going to school, you know, and a bully's like picking on them. And they're like, hey, that's real low frequency <laughs> shit right there. But man. trust me, we'll be followed with Krav Maga and Jiu Jitsu. Okay. So don't even worry about that. I'm going to crush your balls if you don't stop. <laughs> there we go. And Rob will make sure of that. Yeah. So that's my that's my whole thing. So I, I really, this stuff all, I, by the way, I just bought your book, dude. Um, it resonates with me very much. This whole thing, I think it's very important. And again, I don't think this does anything to whoever has organized religion out there. Whoever, this is just an understanding. Like, this is my whole discussion. It was like, you have like, I remember when Bill Maher back in the day, and I feel like Bill Maher's kind of even growing too as well, starting to understand the uh, kind of the flaws of what he thought maybe even like four years ago. But you know when 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 he did his movie about religious religious yeah yeah which which he was a chicken shit with by not making fun of Jewish people and not that I think you should make fun of Jewish people but if you're making fun of all the religions and then the one you but leave he out, went to the Wailing Wall no what he did was he made, the guy that he went after was the guy who had a problem with Israel 
So that's kind of like oh, a backdoor way of doing it. Like if you're going to find the flaws in every religion, you should find the flaws in every religion, including the culture that you claim, even yeah. though you're atheist, which I find hilarious. Well, that's not his culture. He, I mean, he grew up Catholic, actually. He's half Jewish by blood, but he grew up Catholic. Oh, or he is worried about what Hollywood will do to him. I mean, like that's... What, when has being Jewish ever hurt Hollywood? What, what no, talking? I mean like making fun oh, of gosh. Jews and yeah, questioning no, no, that's Jews. a real point. Yeah, okay? yeah for sure, so for sure. For that's sure. my whole point. Again, I feel like Bill Maher's coming around, but a big part of that movie, which is also the... Uh, I forget what the other movie is... Uh, that basically breaks down that Jesus is the story of Jesus is found in all these different religions, right? He did make the Wailing Law look, look pretty dumb, though. I remember from that, like, because I didn't know much about it when I first saw Religious, and I was like, oh, that looks really weird. Yeah. So okay. So we'll, I'll get. I still, I, I left that going. Okay, you pulled your punches. No, you're. Um, I think you're right, though. It, he, he, they definitely got away with the easiest for sure. Yeah. So, I. Again, and the reason I push back on, and I'm going to get so much shit for this, but the Jew world order and all that stuff is because I don't think groups move as one. Any group. That's it. Yeah. That's my whole thing. You, If you're going to tell me you got these Jewish people are here doing this, okay. I, I think there are Jews are out there that are up to some shady shit. But that doesn't mean the whole collective group is moving as one. Like, you know, you always see in the conspiracy world where they're all like, hey, man, Hollywood's trying to say white people are racist. Well, white people aren't all racist. Okay. You're getting upset about that. How can you not see it the other way right there? This generality about any one group is wrong. If you want to say individuals are doing it for certain reasons, I'm open-minded to that. But that does not condemn the entire group. Most of them don't care. I mean, most of them are just like do it through a culture. Anyways, you know, he talks about all the different stories of Jesus, and I'll wrap this back around, but uh, how the story of Jesus is told many different ways by many different Names And I go, this is what we're talking about here, what Esoteric Eddie's talking about. It's not that they're all trying to claim their own story. It's all the same story. Yeah, that's, that's the thing Being I told get, over Sam. and over again. You're so right. To me, that's a proof of it. That's not, like yeah. a, like, that's not a detriment to it. That's like, obviously, they're trying to, there's some truth there that they're all getting at. Yeah, you're, you're trying to act like they're just copying each other when in reality, they're telling the same story in their own words. Yeah, they're like witnesses of an event yeah. that each come away with slightly different versions. You know what I mean? It's, that's that my happens, whole yeah. particular I'm point. so with so, you. A long, long story long. I agree with everything you're saying, Eddie. And, For sure. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I'm, nah, man. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm not here to make fun of religion, even though it's fun to do so. But I love comedy because <laughs> it's easy. It's like special needs people. It's like, yeah, I could, but I'm not going to. Yeah, but I am definitely here to destroy institutionalized religion. You know, because it's just keeping us trapped you know it's keeping us it's holding us back from our potential and not just that obviously there's so many other things in this world that are holding us back but that's just my expertise that's my specialty and that's really the the ultimate end goal of what uh why i do what i do is to deprogram and deinstitutionalize. and i had to do that for myself growing up in a you know catholic and christian home and so on and so forth um, Eddie, so you were the one. You were the one who came in and talked about. And I, I always think about you, and I believe it's you. And I think I bought your other book as well about the where the term Luc Lucifer came from. Right? Yeah. You were the you were yeah. on. And I always think about you and what 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 you were saying there because you know again we've had uh, Vedic astrologers on. Uh, we just had a wonderful doctor on talking about fallen angels. And they all, and then you, we, we had Christopher Knowles and Zero Dark Tony come on talking about 
um, the watchers. And I feel like, again, we have all these different terms, but they're all saying the same thing, right? And they're all like, there is some sort of entity, fallen angels, uh, demons, devils, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they're trapped here. Again, here's a story that is being told, this, the same story being told in different words, but it's the same story. So when, you know, it's like I have friends of mine, they're like, Lucifer is the, 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 the angel of light. And I go, okay, but there's a large segment that thinks he's the falling angel and he's the devil. And, you know, we've had you on saying that there's only one mention of him and he fell and you, and, so again, I find it very interesting that there's the same story being told over and over again. Yeah, I mean, we're one human family. You know, there's only one history. You know, like you said, everybody's telling it from their own mind mindset, you know, their own perspective. But there's only one history. There was only one beginning and there's only been one middle and one end. It's just everybody's been looking at it through their own perspective. And um with that being said, I'll, I'll continue the presentation. Okay, yeah, but- go for it. Okay, I'll <laughs> shut up now. No, it's all good. No, not you. Um, I'm to the listeners at home screaming at their fucking i uh, their iPhones right now. Go on. Hey, shout out to everybody listening. You know, shout out to all my supporters and all the homies um, for sure. But just so everybody knows where I'm going with this, so I'm I'm gonna talk a little bit a little bit about the Sumerians, and then um, the the main purpose of today is to show you how monotheism was created and how monotheism was created out of the Anunnaki world. And, and how the, the, that monotheism slowly phased out the Anunnaki and, and, and why so and who they were, who I think they were ultimately. All right. So, <clears throat> again, so all these Abrahamic religions and even some of these ancient cultures were influenced by the Sumerians and their tales, again, because they were the first ones. It's just logical, right? The first ones who came up with these stories and these ideals, it's just logical that those who followed after kind of were influenced by them. One one family, one history, one timeline. And uh, the Sumerians were forgotten in time because uh, they, they were destroyed. So the Sumerian kingdom was actually never unified. They were never a unified kingdom. And I talk about them in my book and stuff, not gonna go into great detail now, but you can check it out in the book. So they were never unified. They were actually always city-states warring against each other. It was like gang wars. Like there was this leader rising up and then this leader would rise up and they were always feuding with each other. And because of that, there was a vulnerability there. There was a void for power. And the first person to take advantage of that vulnerability was Sargon of Akkad, uh, the leader of the Akkadians. And so he came through and he, he rallied up the people and then unified it under the Akkadian Empire. I talk a little bit about him in my book. He's a strange character. We don't know his actual name. He called himself Sargon, which means uh, legitimate ruler. And apparently his mom was a, a, a priestess of the temple of Inanna and she got pregnant and by somebody he, did, he never, he, he says he never knew his father. So there was some kind of immaculate conception going on there. Um, but because she was a priestess, she had to hide the pregnancy. And strangely enough, after she birthed him, she put him in a basket and flowed him down a river. And um, he was found by a Sumerian gardener named Aki. And so he was raised by this, this uh, gardener named Aki. And then later on found out who he was, realized his power 
And at that time, all the Sumerian kings were justifying what they were doing through the Anunnaki, saying, oh, because, because of Enlil, I get to take, take your money and take your women. And oh, because of Enki, I get to take your money and your women. And the people didn't really like that. And Sargon was different. He was more humble. He was like, look, I, I'm divine too. My mom was a priestess, but I was raised by Aki. You know, I'm, I'm one of you. And so because of that, he was able to rally the people. And he was, you know, for the people, by the people, and took over the Sumerian kingdom, ruled it for about 50 years. And, and then um, one of the first things he did actually was institute his daughter and Heduana as the high priestess of the temple of Ur, which is this huge temple that still exists and uh, which we actually took over during the Iraq war. And oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. What's it? What, what do we call it now? Uh, I think it's I think it's still the temple of Ur. Um, How do you spell that? Ur? Yeah. You are. You, the temple of you are. All right, look that up. That's see, yeah. Okay, I'll shut up. But I definitely feel like this is what it's all about, man. Holy shit! Whoa! Yeah, um, Saddam Hussein fuck. was trying to rebuild that thing. Well, this is ancient civilization shit, dude. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, bro. This is what I think all these wars are really about, man. Is like getting into this, the Sumerian stuff, all the real information, all the all the history, and just wiping it out so we'll never know our true history. Like you don't build this and not put something dope inside it, or hide something, or this isn't just for decoration. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah, dude, it's crazy. Go on, sorry, man, that's crazy. No, yeah. Uh, every time I meet like an Iraq veteran, I'm, I always ask him the same thing. Like, yo, did you go to Iraq? Did you go? Did you like see any monuments or anything like that? And a couple of them have told me like, yeah, man, like one of the weird things we did was go to like ancient sites and like take artifacts and shit like that. Yeah, um, look at that. Yeah, man, we were, we were out there doing a lot of shit. And, and this is ancient and this is like Sumerian. Yeah, that was that was like the capital of Sumer, that that temple. Wow. Yeah, dude. Anunnaki could have walked those steps for all we know. Hey, guys. I want to tell you about our friends at Beer Club. Having a great-looking beard requires work, whether it is a beard growth oils, stylish products, or a top-of-the-line trimmer. There's a small army of products required to grow your best beard. Luckily, Beard Club is here to help. As a leader in the Beard First Men's Growth and Grooming Beard Club delivers quality hardware and consumables that help you get a better, thicker, and fuller beard, okay? Listen, guys, I loved it. I went and got the package. I got the ultimate, right? I love the ultimate package. It's got that razor that is pinpoint. There it is, the ultimate one. Dude, it is, I mean, that razor charges real quick and works really well. I know Johnny had a couple things he liked as well. Yeah, I mean the razor was the thing that I love the most. It's I, it's got three adjustments just built into it. Feels like a damn solid product, you know, just to hold it in your hand. And it comes with this cool stand that's got like a nightlight built into it. It's really it's insane. And it's they beautiful. got great stuff to help like just keep your beard looking shiny. Yeah, they've got beard shampoo, which they got you know, to grow like kind vitamins, of long. vitamins to grow your beard. Vitamins you want for your, your beard, beard. To look like Sam's. Yeah, you want one like this. Then get yourself the if your if your if your facial hair gets itchy too and it gets long they have this great uh great shampoo that helps a lot with that they get it okay so head to beardclub.com slash tinfoil take a beard quiz and use the code tinfoil at checkout they'll recommend the best beard kit that 
tailored to fit your needs, okay? No matter what type of beard you have, Beard Club has the perfect kit to fit your needs. Beard Club, over two million beards served. That's I didn't even know there was that many beards. I didn't even know there was that many beards. Grow your best beard today and take 20% off your first order when you go to beardclub.com slash tinfoil and use the code tinfoil. That's beard.com slash tinfoil, code tinfoil for 20% off your first beard. So we uh, often get hit now on our audio they because we show pictures. If you're looking to see these pictures, you can go to samtriply.com, Rockfin, Rumble, Odyssey, uh, BitChute. All the videos are there everywhere but YouTube. So I just wanted to let you all know that because this is pretty incredible. Would you say that Anunnaki built that or who would you? No, they got us to do their work, right? For the gold, yeah, right? Technically, they, they, they probably would have had us do it. But they definitely designed it, you know, designed it and oversaw it. For sure, man. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So the Sumerians, they, they were doing their thing and then they got taken over by Sargon and then he ruled for some time. And then both the, uh, the Akkadians and the Sumerians were ravaged by a strange group of barbarians um, known as the Gudians. And they they spoke about this. They wrote about this. And this is how we know about it. There's actually a Babylonian version of it known as the curse of Agade. Agade is another word for Akkad or the kingdom of Akkad. And um, I'll read to you an excerpt here. It says, Enlil brought out of the mountains those who do not resemble other people, who are not reckoned as part of the land, the Gudians, and unbridled people with human intelligence, but canine instincts and monkeys' features. Like small birds, they swooped on the ground in great flocks. Because of Enlil, they stretched their arms out across the plain like a net for animals. Nothing escaped their clutches. No one left their grasp. Damn. That's crazy. That is crazy, bro. Right? It's kind of weird. They, it says they have canine instincts and monkeys' features. Damn. These these could be like the Neanderthal that the Anunnaki didn't genetically upgrade. Wow. But that that's how the kingdom fell. So the Sumerians were always like warring against each other, and then Sargon came, and then while they were doing that, there was also people in the world still existing. These these Neanderthal-like people came through and just ravaged everything. And um, in what are known as the uh, lament texts, we have what are known as the lament texts, which are a category of Sumerian texts and Mesopotamian texts, which talk, which talk about the end and, and all this stuff. And in one of those texts, um, they, they, they talk about that event and say this, they say that um, on its boulevards where festivals had been held, heads lay scattered in all its streets where walks had been taken, corpses were piled. In its places where the dances of the land had taken place, people were stacked in heaps. They made the blood of the land flow like copper or tin. Its corpses, like fat left in the sun, melted away of themselves. Damn, dude. What happened, do you think? Well, there's a number of things. Uh, it was these Scudians, these monkey people, whoever they were, they came through and just like just ravaged everything and just, just killed everybody. Lit everybody up. 
And there was also a drought that, that uh, we found out later through like archaeology and stuff that lasted about 300 years exactly during that time too, which our ancestors wrote about too. Um, in that same text, the Curse of Agade, they say the large arable tracts yielded no grain, the inundated fields yielded no fish, the irrigated orchards yielded no syrup or wine, the thick clouds did not rain. So there was just a, a fucked up time period, dude. Yeah. Everything just went to hell. Yeah. Isn't that what like a volcano erupts when the rain, there's dark clouds, no rain? I mean, it's possible. That's what he's saying. It's all possible. It's all possible. But Yeah. Yeah. So so our Sumerian ancestors, they met just a, a fucked up and, you know, they just, they didn't last. But a lot of their texts lasted because they were smart enough. They were very wise people, very smart and intelligent. You know, they, they came up with the first schools uh, and, you know, government, um, just so many different first mathematical systems, all these different things that like we just saw the temple of Ur. they were obviously intelligent enough to be structured as a society, but they just, you know, they couldn't hold against all these different things that end up, ended up happening to them. Well, there's they were also, smart enough. Yeah. There's also the understanding that like something happened and the Sumerians came out of the caves with with math, language, structure of society. So something happened in those caves. And they came out as a fully formed society, which goes back to the missing link of how do we go from monkey to man, right? And something happened in those caves. They came out and they had structure to their civilization. And that's where the belief of all this, these fallen angels anunnaki whatever they may be came and created us so interesting yeah so after after they fell you know they slowly were erased from history and just fell underneath the sands of time and we didn't rediscover them until the 1800s so it's been like about 150 years since we rediscovered them and, and been able to read these texts and start to slowly piece this stuff together and of course one of the first people to take it to a new level was Zechariah Sitchin with all of his theories on the Anunnaki and Planet X and all of that stuff but even before him there was uh, you know 100 years worth of research that he was um, basing his stuff off of but all of that research was more academic based but getting into the Anunnaki now what we need to understand is that in the current timeline that we're in which is basically six to seven thousand years um, more than half of this time we as a human race have worshipped the Anunnaki it's only been about two thousand years give or take where we stopped worshiping them. But even then we still kind of worship them through the institutions and imagery that they left behind. So they were a huge part of our current timeline. They're a huge part of our past. And even after the Sumerians and the Akkadians fell, eventually the, the Babylonians and Assyrians rose up and they still worship the Anunnaki. And uh, so now going into, you know, monotheism, right? So, the early Israelites were born out of the Anunnaki world. And the Bible makes that very clear. But um, just going through my notes here. Sorry, just skipping ahead. I find this super interesting. And it's just, it's totally. it's like, especially if you're, you're from a very Christian base, some of this is like, you can have a little visceral reaction to it. Like, I don't know, man. But it's like, it starts to make some sense, man. It starts to make yeah. some sense. And again, you should believe whatever you want to do. This is just 
more information for you to to enjoy uh, or to discard. It's up to you. But I finally answered it. Go on. Sorry. Did you find your thing? Yeah, yeah. All right. So <clears throat> the Bible, well, all the, all the Abrahamic faiths are, are called the Abrahamic faiths because of Abraham, of course. You know, Abraham in the uh, Judaic uh, religion is known as the, the patriarch. He's basically the first Jew. They call him the first Jew, the first to make a covenant with God. And in Christianity, he's the father of the faith. You know, the faith began with Abraham. And in Islam, he's also regarded as a patriarch. And um, he's quoted in Quran, Surah 365, um, as the people who are the worthiest of Abraham are those who followed him together with it, with this prophet and the believers. So Judaism is like the first, you know, episode or whatever. And then and then Christianity is the sequel. And then Islam, I would say, is, is the third version of the trilogy of the Abrahamic faiths. They all follow each other and have very similar beliefs, especially when it comes to end times and stuff like that. Yeah. And for me, it's like a lot of it's also where do you power rank Jesus? Like, where is Jesus in your power rankings? Like, is he God? Is he son of God? Is he a, uh, is he a mystic? Is he just some really spiritual dude that the ladies all loved? It's all, it all depends on where that is in that power ranking. Cause they all have talk of Jesus and they're, you know, in Islam, they, uh, the, the Quran talks about Jesus a ton of times. That's the craziest thing. When they everyone, just don't, they just don't love his jumper as much. They yeah, just, they don't they quite just, believe in his jumper. Yeah, they don't think he can translate both ways to yeah, both defense and yeah. offense. But um, he was he was promising a lot. He was. I mean, but who he, knows if he he could maybe maybe he would have shot more threes if he played today. We just don't know. That's we a great know. point. That's a great point. But uh, it's super. It's it's just I find it very interesting. And then you know, for me, where where everybody, I start to differentiate from a lot of people, you know, when we had Robbie the Fire Bernstein on, we were talking about the Talmud, right? Uh, he was, um, you know, the notion that there are these books that are inserted into these Abrahamic religions that somewhat change the course of the that religion. And that, like, the the Bible is in all the stories of the Bible, from what we've been told, right? Certain certain stories were kept out the the quran isn't the original quran it's a different quran uh you know obviously the talmud okay is uh, is a different book than the torah why why are there these little changes and who made these little changes why are all three of these making changes and who are making these changes that to me is the real mystery and the real discussion well, to benefit them like king james changed the bible to benefit him right Right, but that happens in all three of these religions that are just the major religions of of the planet. I find that to be the ult, like not the ultimate, but really one of the who was behind the changes of these books. That's why yeah, these Okay, go on. Sorry, I, I go on tangents. No, great questions, man. And I'll get. I'm actually going to get into a little bit about that. You know, why monotheism was created, how it was created. Um, so again, the Bible makes it clear that Abraham was born from Ur of Kasdim, and meaning um, Ur of the Chaldees. 
And a lot of people have concluded that, well, Ur was the capital of Sumer, so he must have been a Sumerian. But as you'll quickly find out if you do some research on that, there's a whole line of scholars trying to say, no, he wasn't from Sumer. There was another Ur. But it makes it clear that he was from Ur of, of the Chaldees. And, and the Chaldees and Chaldea is a general term for uh, ancient Mesopotamia, you know, Iraq, Iran, and that area. So nonetheless, uh, Abraham was definitely a Mesopotamian in that area. Um, but what's important, though, is that his his fathers, his family worshiped the Anunnaki and the Bible makes that clear um, in Joshua 24 it is stated that uh, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. Well, these other gods were none other than the Anunnaki because, again, one family, one history. The only other gods in that area at that time were the Anunnaki. And Abraham, uh, many scholars place him as a contemporary uh, of uh, Hammurabi. And so this would be about 1700 BC. And Hammurabi, if this is true, then, then of course, there is no doubt that Abraham knew of the Anunnaki and his family were worshiping them because Hammurabi's famous law code, which we all learn about in high school, um, opens up with praises to the Anunnaki. They don't teach you that part, but th if you go back and read Hammurabi's law code, he opens it up by praising Anu and Enlil, which is just wild. So if, if Abraham was a contemporary of this guy, again, of course he knew about the Anunnaki. It, it, would be, it wouldn't make any sense to say he didn't know about them. So um, he's born out of that world, and then in the Bible he's told by God to, to leave his homeland and go towards the promised land, which the later Israelites would um, carry on. And, uh, of course, we know the famous verse in Exodus about God being jealous about other gods and stuff like that. So, again, who's he jealous of? The Anunnaki. And in Jeremiah 11, we read here, there is a conspiracy among the people of Judah and those who live in Jerusalem. They have returned to the sins of their ancestors who refused to listen to my words. They have followed other gods to serve them. Again, these other gods, the Anunnaki, because this is all happening in ancient Mesopotamia, where you have Sumer, Akkad, Assyria, and Babylon, the major uh, cultures that worship the Anunnaki. Now, getting into the origin of the Israelites, um, in the Bible in Isaiah makes it clear that Hebrew is the language of Canaan. And Canaan and the Canaanites were, again, a general term for, for these ancient Mesopotamian people, specifically the Phoenician. And uh, in mainstream academia, uh, it's noted that the oldest forms of Hebrew are almost identical to Phoenician. So the Bible is correct in saying that Hebrew is the language of Canaan. The Israelite people were born out of that world. That, that's, those are their ancestors. And uh, the, one of the earliest mentions of Yahweh, right? Yahweh is the God of the, of the Jews. He's the God of the Old Testament. And one of the earliest mentions of Yahweh outside of the Bible, it comes from what is known as the Moabite stone, also known as the Mesha Stella, discovered in 1868 in Jordan. Um, written in the 9th century BC. And what it says is, and from there I took Yahweh's vessels, artifacts, and I presented them before Kamosh's face. And this was written by King Mesha. And basically what happened is he took some subjects, some, some um, captives, and took their artifacts to their God and then took them to his God, you know, as like a tributary or whatever. And um, but this is in the 9th century BC, so in the 800s. And this, so this is, um, to give you perspective, this is about 
uh, six, seven, eight. This is like two to 300 years before the Torah was put together. So two to 300 years before, you know, Judaism was even created. And there's an inscription in a temple built by Amenhotep III going even further back than that in the 1300 uh, BC time. And in this uh, inscription, it is stated that the king took uh, some captives again, known as the Shasu of Yahweh. Now, the Shasu um, were a nomadic tribe of the Sinai Peninsula area. And this is important. This is very important because the Sinai Desert is exactly where in the Bible the name Yahweh is revealed to Moses. In Exodus 6-2, we read as follows. God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. So here you have Moses in the Sinai Desert being being told that God's name is Yahweh for the first time. And it's exactly in the Sinai you know, desert area where we find these extra biblical mentions of Yahweh thousands of years, a thousand years before Judaism was put together. And interestingly, there's another mention from the eighth century BC. So the 700s, about a hundred or so years before the Bible was put together, the old Testament. And in that inscription, this inscription comes from the Sinai desert. And in that one, we read, I bless you by Yahweh of Teman and by Asherah. May he bless and keep you and may he be with my Lord forever. So in this inscription, we see Yahweh um, spoken of next to a goddess named Asherah. So it was obvious that Yahweh in the ancient Israelite mindset of these Shasu people, these nomadic people of the uh, Sinai desert area, he was a polytheistic God. He belonged to a polytheistic pantheon. And it's interesting how God said to Moses that he was known as El Shaddai because El Shaddai belongs to the Canaanite pantheon. El was the head of the Canaanite pantheon. So all these different things the Bible is hinting at is telling us that Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, the God of Judaism, was born out of the Anunnaki world. He was an Anunnaki. Oh, my God. That's some crazy. That fits in the fallen angel stuff, right? I mean, like. The fallen angels want to be part of, uh, want to basically take over heaven. God cast fallen angels out of heaven. And we have these people who worship these fallen angels. That's interesting, bro. I mean, that's some fucking way back stuff right there for sure, bro. I mean, that's some way back stuff. Like, oh, man, I'm like... This is this is pretty incredible shit. I think it's interesting, yeah. and I love I love yeah. it because, I mean, who knows what history? I mean, they they have tried to hide how special and unique in our history from us forever. It's it's very interesting. I mean, they're doing it now. Yeah, they are black black mermaids and stuff like that, <laughs> right? The the, the the tribe that sold slaves is the tribe that's like the heroes of this new Marvel movie. It just everything is shish kebabing our, our what we believe for sure. Okay, go on. Sorry, sorry too. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, so the early Israelites were belong to the early Israelites were born out of the Anunnaki world mindset because our ancestors worshipped them. That's all they knew, and they were formulating their religion based off of that. And so the the Israelites were eventually taken into captivity by the Babylonians 
And um, their entire history, their early history, is sometimes broken up into two categories, the pre-exilic Judaism and the post-exilic Judaism. The pre-exilic Judaism is, is what I just briefly explained, you know, this, this loose group of nomads who were trying to decide what they were going to worship. And then they were taken into captivity into Babylon. And it was during that time where they kind of like, switch they 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 decided okay like we need to unify we need to like you know be strong here because we're losing ourselves we're losing our our power so um thankfully though uh they were freed by uh, king cyrus the persian and they were lucky because king cyrus was religiously tolerant unlike all the people before him so when he freed when he took over the babylonian kingdom and freed the captives he allowed them you know the freedom to go back home or stay and this is actually where the babylonian talmud came into play because when uh king cyrus freed the jews from the babylonian captivity he said you can kick it here or you can go home and many of them went back home and um, some of them stayed in babylon and started the babylonian priesthood which still has remnants up to this day and um Lucky for them, again, you know, he was religiously tolerant and stuff like that. But in the Bible, that event is recorded as um, being done so by Yahweh. You know, in the Bible, King Cyrus is known as Yahweh, the anointed of Yahweh. So, again, the Bible is there, the Jewish perspective on, on history. But we've uncovered a different version of that story. And it's it's actually a, what's known as the, the Cyrus Cylinder. And in the Cyrus Cylinder, we hear Cyrus's point of view of the story. And he, do, he doesn't say that he did it because of Yahweh. He actually says that he did it um, because he was inspired by his god, Marduk, which is an Anunnaki. So even at this time, the Anunnaki were still being worshipped and praised and, and um, you know, being, uh, they were being used to justify what these kings were doing. Damn. So, yeah. And, and so lucky, and then this is, actually why the Jewish community and the Jewish religion has been able to become so fortified and, and last up to this day is because they got very lucky throughout these different epochs of time. You know, they almost lost it all during that Babylonian captivity, but lucky for them, Cyrus was religiously tolerant, let them do their thing. But this is where monotheism comes into play because again, the early Israelites were all scattered, polytheistic, didn't know what to think. We're, we're coming out of that old Anunnaki world. And in the Bible, there's a story told where um, a later Persian king, Artaxerxes, actually sends the prophet Ezra, the royal prophet Ezra, back to the kingdom of uh, Israel and tells him, look, you know your God, you know your beliefs, you know your people. He's like, go back to your to your land and then and give your people your law, give your people the Torah, but make sure that your laws are, are uh, coincide with the laws of the kingdom. And so it was a genius um, method. It was a genius technique to, to rule a vast kingdom without having to go out and police the people. What the Persians did was set up a self-policing, self-governing kingdom. So the Bible the, tells us the reason that, you know, the Torah was given to the people was to unify them in order to self-govern them, themselves and um, so that the Persians wouldn't have to do it. Damn, dude. And this fits into, uh, what is his face, his name, who comes on and says, like, Persians are uh, hugely influencing on Italian culture and and the Vatican and all that stuff, right? You remember when he came out? Who, what's the guy that made 
Um, the the Mount Crushmore. Who's the the guy that's been was on one time? Eddie loves him. Oh, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, well, him. He 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 came uh, on. Sun gazing guy. Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, um, in fact, if you hadn't asked me, I could have remembered it easily. Uh, he's been on twice, right? Yeah, two times. He uh, crushed it both times, and we all have Al's times here. Or something. That's so like, funny. I I would have remembered it any other yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny loves him. Johnny loves him. He's, yeah. yeah, but that so yeah, that that's super. That's. I, actually, I got a question. Since we okay. all believe in Tartaria, where does that fit into this whole mixture? Is that I don't in? know if this is, is that, his uh, expertise. Yeah, I, mean, does, I don't. I don't know. Do you run well, into it? <clears throat> I haven't taken the time to dig into that yet. I mean, I see what people post and I've watched some videos and I think it's fascinating. There's something there, but what's interesting, which what I was going to bring up later on, but we can talk about a little, a little bit right now is uh, again, our current Santa's timeline that we live in is, is only like six to 7,000 years going back to the Sumerians. But we know that's not all there is because we know about Gobekli Tepe, which goes back to, you know, 10 to 12,000 years. So there's obviously a history that we're forgetting about or, or that we're not bringing up. And what's interesting, I wasn't really going to bring this up because this is some research that I'm doing now that one of my, my homegirls brought up to me was that interestingly, okay, for first of all, um, the entire Eurasia, right, Western Europe and Eastern Europe, the entire place um, was spawned by what is known as the Indo-Europeans. It's this theory in academia, and, and there's a, a group of nomadic people going back many, many years ago, you know, like seven, 8,000 years ago, and these Indo-Europeans eventually migrated outward and, and created the Anglo-Saxons, the, the, uh, the Indians, um, and all those other, you know, European nations, and that's why all of the languages over there are very similar, English and Sanskrit and German and Russian, all of those things have a mother tongue going back to the Indo-Europeans. And what's crazy is that the Indo-European hub was actually in the Crimea area um, near the Black Sea, where very close to where Ukraine is. And Ukraine is actually home to a very, very old civilization going back 7,000 years. And who is that? Uh, man, I just I just learned about them. Let me see what's their Kazarians? name. Kazarians? Well, they're, they're actually tied to the Scythians. They're tied to the Scythians. But the civilization that goes back to 7,000 years is known as the Tripillian. Oh, shit. The, the Sam Tripillians. Yeah, oh, respect, shit. bro. My people. The yeah, they're known as the Tripillian civilization. Oh, my God. So and so deep. there's this whole war that happened a long time ago between, like, the Scythians and, and like, these other Indo-European people that I'm still trying to uncover and, and, and understand. And it ties into the elongated skulls because the elongated skulls in Paracas, Peru, um, all of the most of those skulls have genomes that go back to the Crimea and Black Sea area. And the Crimea and Black Sea area is the second uh, is the place in the world with the second most populated elongated skulls that are found. And both of them have genes for red hair. And the Scythians were known for having red hair and elongated skulls. Uh, so there's something going on there, but um, I'm still doing the research for it. So crazy, man, how deep this goes. Again, here we are with the Ukraine and what that represents. Oh, my God. Trippians, yeah, yep, we're a primal, primitive agricultural and cattle raising tribes that migrate to Ukraine from the Northeast to the Balkans. And uh, Wow. Whoa, bro. Yeah, you know what's wild? Hold on, give me a sec. I'm going to pull the book out real quick. 
Elongated heads, dude. So again, I'm still trying to like do this research right now, but <clears throat> I came across this book recently. It's it's called the uh, Post Captivity Names of Israel. Um, when when Israel came out of that Babylonian captivity, there was different names, right? Different tribes, and then one of them was the Scythians. So um, apparently, these Scythians were one of the lost tribes of Israel. So there's there's something going on here, man, with with these uh, these Israelites, these Anunnaki, these Scythians, and and this lost history. Well, there was a discussion that uh, a very ancient Anunnaki site is found in Armenia. Really? Yeah. And that and again, this gets into my whole theory that all these wars are about erasing history. That they're going in there trying to erase our history so we don't know where we came from, who we are, how special we really are. This is like super interesting, man. And this is their game. That's why they're just shelling the shit out of Armenia right now, which upsets me, dude. It's crazy. This whole thing is yeah. it's it's there's so much to, I mean, like, where do you get your research from? How deep I mean, do you got to go before you buy into something? Me, I always go to the source of things, you know, I, that's what I try to do. I try to go as far, far back as I can take things and then like a point zero and analyze that point zero was what was happening in history then and what influenced the, the information to, to happen. And then I go from there and then I can see in time how it all progressed and started to get conflagrated and exaggerated. And then uh, I'm like, ah, okay. That's why it's all fucked up now. And do you think it's done on purpose? All the remixing of everything. Um, a lot of times it is like, you know, what I was just finishing um, explaining is, is that, Again, so, I mean, this is, we're dealing with thousands of years of history here. You know, it's, this is a lot of details, a lot of real humans that lived at one point with real lives. And so these, these Israelites, these, these early, these early Jews during captivity were again, freed and then given the opportunity to practice their religion. And then, and then took that opportunity to create the Torah, which we still don't know who created it, you know, created the Torah, went back to their land and then said, yo, well, this is our law. This is our God from here on out. We're done with that Anunnaki shit. It's one God It's Yahweh. Let's go. And luckily, you know, the Persian kingdom was okay with that. And the Persians were overtaken by the Greeks and the Greeks again, were tolerant towards the Jews. I mean, there's a lot of scuffles and stuff like that in history, but overall we're tolerant of them. And this, as this Bible that I, I mean, as this book that I'm reading right now, apparently they were the tolerant of the Jews because the Greeks actually belong to an ancient branch of uh, Israelites, you know, not here nor there, but um, there's a story that's told that I tell in my book that when Alexander came and took over the Mesopotamian area and, and you know, took over the Persian kingdom, he uh, met with the high priest of, uh, or the high rabbi of the then fortified uh, Jewish uh, temple, and that he was he respected him so much that he bowed down before him. This is a story that is told in ancient history. Alexander the Great bowed down before the rabbi and said, "Yo, we got you, your people." I respect that, dude. I would love to have been there if he's like, "Yo, we got you." <laughs> Your respect. people. Respect, yeah, respect, yeah. bro. That would be the shit. That'd be the shit. Everybody um, everybody said that when I was on Rogan describing the uh, Operation High Jump, it was like listening to uh, Drunk History, like someone trying to describe <laughs> it in Drunk History. Would you do that? 
Would what? you do a show on drunk history? Well, yeah, no. I mean, you that? don't drink. I mean, you don't drink, but like before. That'd be an awfully boring show. Actually. Before, when yeah. you drink, when you drink, I could have seen you doing that. Cause... Yeah, try and describe everything. Yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting, dude. I, I, I mean, like, there's something here, man. There's something here that there's a sure. there. The, the story gets retold over and over again, and it's like we said the other day on a, on the show. It's like they slowly but surely replace ev- the truth. With what they want you to believe, and they want you to believe in in just this a certain set of principles in which they control, and through through blackmail and guilt and all that stuff, sins sins are a big thing, right? Oh my god, I I personally, based on just what I read and what I believe, I I believe the um, the only sin is. Pain and suffering. That's what I believe. If you bring pain and suffering to people, you you you'll pay a karmic price for that. On the other side, again, I'm not telling anybody what to believe. If if what you believe makes you happy and and you treat others well, God bless you, enjoy it. But yeah, these elongated skulls are interesting too. Would you say a lot of these civilizations were flat earthers? What? Like, do you stand on flat Earth? Are they flat Earthers? Like, what? Where? Where? What did they think? They didn't know about that back then. Yeah, it's so interesting, bro. I think there were some civilizations that did, you know, uh, believe in the flat Earth. I don't know know about the round ones, but I think some of them did. Well, I I don't think. I mean, the the heliocentric model doesn't get introduced to what? To like, when does that get introduced by a Jesuit priest? Yeah. What What's his name? I think the Earth is a Taurus, man. A Taurus. That's my new shit. Fifteen forty-three yeah, like, is the Copernicus. Like it's a, it's like it's a Taurus is is a is a geometric symbol that like goes into itself, almost like an infinity like, symbol. Yeah, that's what you think we live on. Uh, kind of. No, I just I I went to a Rosicrucian temple in uh, California a couple weeks ago, and I interviewed this like groundskeeper there, and he was like, "Yeah, man, the Earth's a Taurus." And I was like, oh, shit, I heard the flat earth and globe, but never that one. I'm like, I'm going to ride with that. Like, it's a Taurus field, man. So I, I just believe it off of Earth is a words. Taurus field? Yeah. A Taurus, I'm, like, I'm, like, the, like the bull? Like, so. No, not a, not a bull. A Taurus is a geometric symbol. It's, it's, if you look at it, you, type in T-O-R-U-S. Oh, T-O-R-U-S. It's a symbol that okay. it feeds into itself. So it's like, it's an engine. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange, like, almost like infinity kind of like uh, geometric thing. Uh, what, but, did he uh, give oh, you like any, any information on why he believes that? Yeah, so the Rosicrucians are um, a sect of mystical Christians. It goes back to 1300. Uh, legendarily, it goes back to six, the 1300s, but historically, they go back to the 1600s. But there's a lot of branches of them, and um, they believe pretty much everything's energy. So he thinks mm-hmm. that, you know, this is all an illusion to begin with. It's all an illusion. So we're really living in this, like, field of energy. Wow. And it's and it's a Taurus field. If you're listening at home, it's a the world is a donut. Yeah, pull basically. Pull this one up. Sam's face is pretty mind blown about over this little. This looks weird. I could see this in a weird way. It's super. It one, if if that God, it seems like it would just take you a million years to get around the. Hey the man, planet, The Simpsons so. had it all along. <laughs> That's it, dude. That's so fun. So I mean, this can get us into. Uh, God, everybody loves calling me. I'm going to fight everybody. Um, So this gets us into something that you wanted to talk about, simulation theory. So the Book of Enoch, 
Uh, I, I, the agnostics. What are your thoughts on the agnostics and what they believe? Uh, the Gnostics? Yeah, the Gnostics. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a jerk. That's <laughs> no, all good. The Gnostics, I think they're just like a, a group of, uh, you know, people who had a psychedelic philosophy built off of the old world religions. Now, because the Gnostics were born out of the, um, what's it called? The, uh, the Hellenistic era. Again, so when, when the Greeks took over Mesopotamia and meshed with the Jewish priesthood and the, and the Jewish community, out of that was born the Hellenistic era. And so it was a meshing of Greek philosophy with uh, Jewish philosophy, which was secretly born out of the Anunnaki world. So what we saw was this beautiful meshing and creation of, of new forms of philosophy, new belief systems. So I think the Gnostics were a group of people which is psychedelic beliefs built off of those old world systems. Um, now, okay, but, I'm going to ask yeah, a go question. Ahead. I don't want because I don't want people. Do you think the Bible is the Word of God? No. Oh man. No, but it, we got to unpack that a little bit, right? Because I, I do believe in in a Creator. I believe in the Creator. I, I, that's the only force and energy that I pray to, and always have. But as a scholar, I, I, I got to be, you know, genuine to my to my research. And the, as, I, as we know, the Bible, the Old Testament was written by some some priesthood coming out of the Anunnaki world. And as I've presented and as my book presents, you know, the, the Old Testament and, and the early Israelites were born out of this Anunnaki world, took those mythologies and belief systems um, from their ancestors and changed them a bit to fit their current timeline, their current environment, and then called it the word of God. Um, but no, I don't think it's the word of the grand creator of all. Controversy here on Tim Fall. It's the second time. Remember who called that who on the last episode? Christopher knows. Uh, homeboy was like, I don't believe in the Nephilim. Well, I mean, this and the Nephilim is would be the children of these, these Anunnaki, right? The fallen gods made love to the the the, the daughters of men. Mm, okay, well, that's who we're talking about here. So yeah. I think that my whole opinion on the Bible is is that I love, I think it's stories. I think it's it's stories to learn to, how to live your life in a spiritual way. And again, I, I, I my whole thing is I believe I believe in a God. I think Jesus was a entity that was here and was a star seed. That's my belief. And he came and he tried to push the you know the universe. Uh, humanity in, in, in a direction it was special. That's my humble opinion. I think some of the stories are kind of like the flood. I think the flood happened because yeah, all I the mean, civilizations be, talk about a flood. So I I'm mean, like, do you have any thoughts on the flood, man? Because that's some Anunnaki shit right there, right? Yeah, no, I mean, look, the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's beautiful stuff. You know, it's beautiful stuff. I was raised on that. You know, I'm default Christian. You know, but, but do you think um, that those stories were just retelling of older stories? Absolutely. Bro. Okay. That's, All that's right. What my whole book is about. But but let you me know? ask you, Eddie. Do you believe those older stories? 
Yeah, yeah, I think there's truth to it, you know, but the Sumerians were very philosophical too, you know, they were creative people, philosophical, artistic, and funny too, they had a sense of humor, you know, if you read some of their stuff, you can tell, like, they, they were people, man, these are our real ancestors, you know, and there is history lost to us, I think there was a cataclysm, and I was going to get into that actually towards the end of the presentation, but. Okay, go yeah. on with your, pre I just want to say one thing, that because I know some people could begin upset at the notion that somebody might think the Bible isn't real, but what I, I believe is, is the Bible is the telling of stories and these stories could be a lot around for a very long time. I don't think that negates the Bible in my humble opinion. And I, because you know, again, this is podcast meant to be fun. I'm not here to like, you know, just like kick in your beliefs or anything like that. And this is just, I think this is pieces of puzzles that you can ask a, a bigger question. Like, what is this all about? You know, there are people who think there's psyops on psyops on, and all that stuff. But I think these are stories that are told. And then we get into the Vedic astrology and how like you can do your life charts and all that stuff. And I think, you know, we have people who believe all the stories of the Bible are from uh, the stars. And I go, well, what if the stars reflect what's happening down here? We see this happen a lot, right? Like your life chart is like telling you the stars will tell you what your life's going to be like. And then it, like it nails it. What if it's uh, so above, so below? That's where I think some of that comes from. So I want everyone to know I love and respect your religions. We're just having alternative discussions here so yeah yeah and this isn't a bash on people or people's belief systems you know life is hard man it's hard out here you know but we we got to progress man like look what's happening you know over in iran with all these these uh, young girls you know protesting because one of their their people were killed you i know, mean dude some... they're whipping their titties out bro in iran <laughs> that is some danger bro you want, like, that's some real shit. I mean, like, I know there's a lot of people who think that whole movement is a CIA movement to destabilize. I totally get that. But these feminist chicks who are, like, out here in New York with their tits out, act like they're doing something. Yeah. You, there's no fear in your life. Go to Iran and do it. Go yeah. to Iran we'll whip your tits out and find out what happens. I'm with you, dude. Hey, man, tits out for Iran. Tits out for <laughs> Iran, dog. I wasn't mad yeah, at the video. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make that hey, t-shirt. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying, man, it's like, we just got to start dealing with the truth, man. We don't even, like, just not even reality, man. Fuck reality. Reality is the simulation. We got to start dealing with actuality, how things actually are. You know, like, <clears throat> as mature adults, we, we got to deal with actuality. We got to deal with the truth and cope with it and move on. Because this earth is beautiful and it's going to keep progressing. And, you know, the new world order may or may not be upon us, but it's not going to be the end of us. You know, there's always going to be people, you know, um, trying to strive and evolve. So, it's, you know, we're, we're witnessing the crumbling of the old world system right now. That's what's happening. You know, it, the age of Aquarius is showing signs. We're reaching that age of reason where we start questioning, like, yo, like, should we even believe in this shit anymore? I mean, think about it. For four Four to five thousand years, we worship the Anunnaki. For the past two thousand years, we've been worshiping monotheism. Not everything lasts. We're approaching something new. Uh, but we're going to approach that. We're going to approach that as as a human family, and we'll be there for each other. You know, to hold each other to hold each other's hands through that. All right, I'm in, dude. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. So you want to get into? Uh, you want to get in? to uh your thoughts on the simulation or what do you want to do yeah yeah uh, I, well i do want to cover one last thing okay um, having four. to do with enoch and the new testament which i think is very important and then i wanted to close with 
the Anunnaki, and then we can get into that. All right. So I'll, I'll try to make this as quick as I can, but this is a kind of a complex subject here. So, all right. So the Anunnaki were phased out with Judaism. Judaism lasted because of the Persian tolerance, the Greek tolerance, and then the Roman tolerance. Again, there were scuffles or whatever, but overall tolerated. And so they were lucky. They were just fortifying and getting stronger and stronger throughout those epochs of time. So by the time the Roman era came and the Christian era came, they were already a huge you know, influence in the world and they were strong. There was no stopping them. But Christianity came on the scene and then changed the game too. Christianity followed the exact same blueprint. You know, that you had the pagan people and all these different belief systems. It was chaotic. So they said, well, why not just unify it all? One God, one religion, one government, you know, new world order type stuff. Christianity did the same thing. But what's interesting is there's so many things in the New Testament that show hints of uh, changes and things that were left out. And one of those is the obvious influence that the book of Enoch had on the Bible. And I don't need to go into too much detail about that, but there is one thing we definitely should look at. And there's a, a, a very intriguing passage in 1 Peter 3.18. And it is a very strange passage. And um, Christianity.com claims that this um, this is the most cited pa- Bible passage for the account of Jesus des- descending to hell before his resurrection. So this, this is the one passage that's used for that ideology, that philosophy of Jesus going to hell. But it's, but it's also um, just, it's a uh, stump scholars for hundreds of years for, for, because of how weird it is. And um, in a 2002 uh, thesis submitted to Liberty University for a degree in Master of Arts by scholar Jason M. Hauf, titled Interpretation of 1 Peter 3.18, he concluded, the exegesis of 1 Peter 3.18 is a seemingly endless labyrinth of closely knit problems that has puzzled and motivated many. All who have attempted to unravel its secrets have soon realized that it is a notoriously difficult passage to interpret. And even Martin Luther, the famous Protestant, uh, you know, reformist, stated about it, a wonderful text is this, and a more obscure passage perhaps than any other in the Testament, so that I do not know for a certainty just what Peter means. I cannot understand, not explain it, and there has been no one who has explained it. So again, this is a very strange passage, and we're going to reveal why, and it has to do with Enoch. So Peter 1, 3, 18 starts off with, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And it was in that spirit in which he also went to preach to the disobedient um, spirits from the time of Noah. Okay, it seems very simple, but there's a lot going on there. Okay, I'm listening. Now, the reason theologians have struggled with this is because, for one, who are the spirits in this prison that he went to go preach to? Where is this prison located? And what did Christ actually proclaim? And when did this take place? Because it says that Christ died but was made alive in the spirit. And so that alone kind of crushes a lot of uh, the ideas of him being risen in the flesh. It says right there he was, he was made alive in the spirit. There's a lot of reasons why this this passage is difficult to deal with, um, theologically speaking. And um, let me see here. So, and again, so this is used as as proof that he went to hell to like redeem our souls or whatever. But it doesn't say hell. It says he went to a prison to preach to some spirits, which is very weird. But um, in the original version, the Greek, uh, it is stated that um, the word used 
when it says in which he went to go speak to the spirits is, is Enoch's E N O X. Mm. Um, Oh no, sorry, sorry. It's, it's Enochai. So the word in which or by which in, in the Greek is E N O K A Y, which is really close to Enoch's, which is E N O X. But if we add a Greek chai, which is like the Omega symbol in between Enochai in which also transforms to in which also Enoch went to go preach to the spirits. And now the whole context makes sense. What we're reading is that Christ died and was made alive in the spirit. And it's in that spirit, that form, that fashion in which also Enoch was able to go and preach to the spirits in prison during the time of Noah. That makes perfect sense because Okay, explain it to me because I'm lost. So that means what? All right. So because I flung first, Greg, go on. All right. So let's just go back to the actual passage. You know, one Peter three eighteen. And again, this is a passage that has stumped scholars for hundreds of years. It's one of the most confusing passages because it has so many things that kind of disprove the main tenets of Christianity. And so it starts off by saying, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah. So Jesus died, was made alive in the spirit. And and when he was in that spirit, in that form, he went to go preach to some spirits in a prison who, who um, were from Noah's time. Do you get that? Yes. And that's very strange because we're told that God or Jesus rose in the flesh, but here we're being told by Peter that he was, he arose in the spirit. And the first thing he did was go preach to some other spirits in a prison who were from Noah's time. What's going on here. And so what the reason it's so strange is because we're missing the context. We mistranslated it from the Greek. Again, the original Greek word, when it says in which he went to go preach to the spirits, the word used was enokai, in which or by which. But if you add a certain Greek letter to enokai, it becomes in which also Enoch went to go preach to the spirits. So now plugging that back in, the passage is saying Christ died, was made alive in the spirit. And in that spirit, that form or fashion, Enoch also went and went to church. And the reason that is stated is because the book, the entire book of Enoch is exactly about that. If you read the book of Enoch, it's about Enoch being abducted by the angels and, and, and being, you know, taken in spirit form or whatever and being taken to these to a prison where he was told to preach to these spirits. So Enoch, if you out of all the biblical literature there is, the Bible, the Apocrypha, Enoch is the only one who ever went to a prison to go preach to spirits from Noah's time. So Peter is saying that the, the Christ was made alive in spirit, and it's in that same spirit that Enoch was able to go and preach to these spirits. It's a logical, philosophical thing that, that Peter was trying to explain to us, but the importance is that Enoch was scrubbed out of the context. And that's important because Enoch was scrubbed out of the entire New Testament, but luckily left in the Old Testament. And Enoch was scrubbed out of, the, out of the entire New Testament because the book of Enoch specifically talks about fallen angels being physical beings that mated with us. 
And the church didn't like that. So slowly over time, the book of Enoch and the story of Enoch was phased out because they couldn't cope with the idea of angels once being physical beings. And again, one family, one history, one timeline. Who were these physical beings? The Anunnaki. Damn. So hold on. So when he says Jesus, according to your theory, Jesus took a spiritual form. Are they talking about Jesus or are they saying... Or did, is that just that they took the story of Enoch and remixed it? Well, Peter is Peter is saying that Jesus died, but rose in the spirit. Okay. You know, and he's saying that that process is the same process in which Enoch was also able to rise up and go follow the angels and, and preach to these imprisoned spirits, which is interesting because that story isn't told in the Bible. So how did Peter know that? Peter knew that because he he was aware of the book of Enoch. So it's it's just a philosophical conjecture. You know, we don't need to like focus on what is being said. The, you know, there's you can dig into that later, but the importance of this is that Enoch was scrubbed out of the context when it's obviously talking about Enoch. And I'm not the first person to to mention this. There's a scholar, J.R. Harris, um, a biblical scholar going back to 1891 and an essay that he wrote for a famous journal back then known as a further note on the use of Enoch in one Peter. He states, as I quote, these imprisoned spirits are the angels who sinned with mortal women for whose offense and its punishment. The book of Enoch is our prime authority. The, the very language used in Enoch for their place of punishment. This place is the prison of the angels is in close correspondence with the Petrine expression. So a lot of scholars have seen the obvious scrubbing out of Enoch in this context. And the importance is that the book of Enoch entirely was scrubbed out of the Bible. Many of Jesus's phrases, many of his famous phrases and sayings are actually rephrases from the book of Enoch. And I get into that a little bit in the book and I've done other work, other documentaries and stuff like that on that. But uh, the importance of it is that the book of Enoch talks about physical corporeal angels mating with us. And those were none other than the Anunnaki. So subsequently the Anunnaki were phased out once again from our history. When we phased out the book of Enoch. That's crazy, bro. That's some deep shit right there for sure, dude. And we've had a it couple is. people talking about that. And then the, the, the Anunnaki being fallen angels. The yeah, Watchers, man, so bro. <laughs> Nephilim. All that stuff, dog. Yeah, bro. I think we're getting close to like two hours. So I just, I just, I don't want to keep the people too long, but I just want to conclude, you know, what my thoughts are on the Anunnaki. Who are they? What are they? Um, first and foremost, they're not human. They weren't human. And they couldn't be human because we're human. And humans were created from a mixture of them and some other Neanderthal. So they were altogether a different subset of humanoid species, if you will. But I don't think they came from a different planet. I don't think they came from a different dimension. I think they were survivors of a cataclysm. And the Sumerian texts kind of allude to that, um, specifically in the Enki World Order text. In one of the oldest texts known to man as of right now, which belongs to the Sumerians, the Enki World Order text, we see this strange account of the Anunnaki, specifically Enki, setting up society. That's what the whole text is. It's, it's him setting up and structuring society and civilization. He's setting up farms. He's setting up agriculture. 
And as he's doing this, he's appointing different Anunnaki to oversee those different um, parts of society. He says, yo, you're going to take care of this farm. You're going to take care of the, of this, of this field, which is a strange thing for, you know, the gods of, of magical creation to do, you know, in this text, it paints them obviously as physical people, they're people, they're, they're setting up society. You know, they're not, they're not these, you know, spiritual magical beings, but there's a passage in that Ankian world order to, text which is very strange and and is what led me to believe that they were survivors of the cataclysm so here you have these people setting up society structuring society you know starting it or in other words restarting it and in, in this passage here it is stated that enki presented animals to those who have no city to those who have no houses the martu nomads mentions that twice so here you have the anunnaki creating civilization according to the religious they would be the gods creating everything and whatever but that's not the case they're just people structuring society and while they're doing that off to the side there's these nomads who are disenfranchised who enki graciously you know gave um resources to so that right there tells me that they were survivors of a cataclysm and that's made clear in the archaeology in the old stories in the fact that we have structures like Gobekli Tepe going thousands of years farther back than the Sumerians. So I think the Anunnaki were people from here who survived a cataclysm, who wrote themselves into the current timeline that we are in as the gods. I, I mean, that kind of fits into some of the stuff that we've been talking about right now. Have, have you seen the heads from uh, the Olmec heads? Have you seen yeah, those, yeah. right? Were those be I have considered? One tattooed on my on my arm on my, on my knee. Could that Damn, be? Dude. Could that be on your Anunnaki? knee, bro? That yeah. had to be painful. Oh yeah, I, it was actually one of the least painful ones, but I was kind of like cross faded. So, <laughs> could you say that th those heads are Anunnaki heads in a way? Uh, we, I mean, we could we could say that Sitchin definitely believed that they were led there by the Anunnaki. You know, some people. I mean, they obviously have what look like African features, but they could also just be, you know, Native American features because a lot of the uh, ancient Native Americans had those almond-shaped eyes and stuff. Um, but uh, according, I mean, they're very strange. The Olmecs set up the foreground for what would become the Machika people. They were the first there. And their art style is actually what, you know, was with the foundation of the later um, Mexican art style. So, But they were led there by Quetzalcoatl. You know, they were led there by a god. And Sitchin says that they were led there from Africa by um, Ningesita, who was Toth, so on and so forth. But um, I don't think they were Anunnaki. If anything, they were they were definitely just um, humans that were specifically bred for that purpose, to go to the new world and set the foreground. And then they actually just, like, mysteriously died off or were killed after they were, you know, done with the work. Uh who do you hang out with, bro? Like, who do you have <laughs> conversations with? Like, what does your girlfriend think of uh, all this conversation when she's trying to watch the Kardashians or something like that? <laughs> uh, well, I'm recently single. Uh, hey, Look at the mingle, ladies. Get on it. Conspiracy smoke I, shows. I've only been in one relationship, and it was on and off for 11 years. A high school sweetheart situation. Been with many women, but only in one relationship. Um, I can't do that unless it's like, you know, serious or whatever, but man, she was a, she was a tripper too, not to this level, you know, actually I, when I first started getting into this stuff, it, it was actually kind of hurting our relationship because, because she wasn't ready for that. And I was just over yeah. like, Oh, religion's alive. Fuck <laughs> church. 
you know, and uh, her family is like very heavily into church. So it's just like, oh man, like, you know, but um, I'm definitely the crazy one in my, in my friend group. I, I'm the one who has been bringing this inf- information to my homies over all the years. When I was in high school do, researching this stuff, I was the only person in my high school who was talking about this. I used to have this, this homie, uh, Leo, who was the first functioning meth addict I ever met. Uh, he was cool as fuck, man. And and he was just like fascinated by me. He'd be high as fuck. Like, yo, Eddie, talk that shit. And he would, he would take me around. I was an introverted, shy person, you know, but he would take me around high school and like, and be like form crowds for me and shit and be like, yo, it's my boy. He's going to talk some shit about these Anunnaki. And so I don't know. I just always been that dude, man. But to be honest, um, I do all this work in my office, you know, when I'm out there in the world, I don't really like to talk about it, man. Cause it's already all in my head. It's what I do every day in my office. So when I'm out there, I'd rather just kick it, kick it with some chicks, chill some homies and just talk about some other stuff. Very interesting, dude. Uh, final thoughts. What are your thoughts? Do we live in assimilation? Yeah. So I wanted to get into this. Obviously we took up a lot of time, but my current research, my next book, which is going to be released early of next year is going to be about the simulation, um, the fabric of reality and consciousness. I'm, I'm getting into a lot of research on this and it's just been coming to me. So it's like, it's manifesting. I don't know. I've just been inspired, but uh, I just, I'm going to release a documentary this weekend on um, a scientist, a Mexican scientist who went missing in 1994 Jacobo Grinberg, he went missing in 1994 and he was studying telepathy and and the fabric of reality. And he realized that there is what he called the pre-space structure. And basically reality as we see it is is just a projection and is being computated in what is known as the pre-space structure because space and time is what our reality um, consists of, but it's an illusion. Things aren't moving through time. Things aren't physical to begin with. They're being projected and computated here. And that's what he found out. And he actually produced real results on the ability of tele- tele- uh, telepathy being you know, real and practical. And um, there's a lot of other stuff that I'm researching that I'm going to put into my book about that. What was his that- name? Jacobo Grinberg. I'm releasing a documentary this, this weekend. Jacobo Greenberg. I know it's weird, right? It's weird, but but he's from he's from Mexico City. Oh I yeah, Greenberg. Like, there it is. Jacobo yeah. Greenberg. Damn. We're missing in 1994, the year I was born. But um, yeah, man, I think we do live in a simulation because check this out. And I knew this even back in high school before I started taking psychology classes. I, I was just thinking one day, I was like, wait, wait, hold up. If everything's light, right? If everything's light and particles and it's all just a projection that, that our brain is computating to create, right? If everything physical that we see is just a computation that our brain is putting together, then that means our brain is also an illusion. Our brain is just what our mind has put together to explain how complex we really are, but our brain isn't even real. So what we really are and where we really are isn't in the brain. It's in the pre-space structure that Jacobo was talking about. What is the pre-space structure again? Uh, So what he found out was that the, the fabric of reality is a computation being projected from the source, which all mystics have talked about the source and the source is the pre-space structure because reality, the reality that we're in consists of time and space. We are constrained and trapped in time and space, but infinity exists where time and space do not. And so the pre-space structure, you know, where everything gets computated and then projected here is where infinity exists because time and space don't exist there. 
That's some yeah. deep shit. That's its whole sh- another show. Dude, did you see this? I love Mexicans. On December 12th, his family prepared a party for him to celebrate his 48th birthday, but he did not show up. I, I like how they assume just throwing Ooh. a party for him, they were going to show up. Like, it's 48, yeah, he's got to show up. he did not show up. I just bought the book. I bought another book. I'm just buying books. That's all I do is Let's buy books. The, dude, where are we going to put the library? I keep doing that for Kaufman, you know, having all these events. Like, oh, he's going to show up. And he never does. Oh, yeah. So, and JFK. JFK. Yeah, is supposed well, to show yeah, up yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, we've been waiting on him for a bit. Now, yeah. Really. Uh, <laughs> wow, man. This has been Esoteric Eddie. You came, you saw. I'm sure the comment section is going to be fire. Uh, it's gonna be great. I'm very excited to uh, have you. I think Mexicans are crushing in the conspiracy world. By the way, one to one, bro. That Yo, guy's crushing as well, too, dude. We should have an all Mexican podcast. We got Eddie Bravo behind. Hey, us. Oh yeah, that's it, number you should one. Get the four horsemen of Mexican conspiracies <laughs> hey, together. Hey, get hey, you guys my last, name's, my last name's Cano, so you got Eddie B and Eddie C. Yeah, Mr. there we go, Eddie dude. A. One more time, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, Esoteric Eddie, uh, YouTube, Esoteric Eddie TV. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. I bought both your books. Some point, I'm going to sit down and read everything I buy. I just keep buying them so that when my kids get old, my kids find these books and think I'm a smart person. <laughs> my dad loved these very uh, esoteric books. <laughs> I skimmed through them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, thanks for coming on, dude. We look forward to it. And uh, we will do it again. Make sure you send me any... Uh, to uh, Sam Triple E Live at Gmail. Send me any uh, links you want included, but I got a lot of them. We'll put them out there, okay, bud? For sure. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. We'll look forward to our next conversation. We'll do it again soon. Uh, yeah, for sure. Thank you, Eddie. For sure. Uh, yeah, man, that was a great one. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interesting comments in the comment section. Yes. Correct. You, you know, I mean... <laughs> I think they're all telling the same story. That's why I don't get offended by any of it. It's just a different, it's just the stories are the same. The words are just different. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just so funny because, like, we'll have somebody on one week and then the next week somebody will, and, I, and I'll be way into it. And then the next week somebody will be on saying almost the opposite thing and I'll be way into it. Do you know what I mean? What do I say? I mean, what do you do though? No, I'm, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm in. I mean, I just love hearing about it, but I don't. It's it's really difficult. Do to you parse think it, he you know? contradicts anything that the doctor said? Doc, which doctor? The woman that was on two uh, weeks ago, Doctor Lawrence Sanger. Yeah, Sanger. Sanger. Yeah. Uh, I think they all say the same shit. I like the way Johnny talks about it. It's a car accident being seen from different. I areas. say that. That's my do. saying. Yeah, through well, no, you. I just said that. <laughs> No, but I've said that forever, John. The car accident thing, though. That, yeah. I just said that. I know, but that's, I, I said there's a car accident, four people witness it, they all yeah. give their own thing. And then out of those four for people, one wrote the Bible, yeah. one wrote the, the, and it's all like, yeah. Guys, the car was blue, but these are the conversations we have. Yeah, I, you should always believe what you want to believe. Just know that there is a source, a creator. The stories are all the same, they're just being told in different ways. Don't get upset. We love and respect you. Again, go to our website, man. You guys should check out the website. Like we said earlier, join the website. Get on the email list. Right go there. down a little bit. It's right there. Look, you get on there, join Bam, the Bam, join the groups. Yeah. Guys, again, you can see me live. But I want to get into the premium content. This is a great way to support the show. We have, uh, I have four premium content shows. I actually have five, but uh, Conspiracy Social Club, uh, Tim Fall Hat, and zero, my spiritual podcast. Shit you do on Tuesdays kills. Yeah, 
Well, he's crushing. Yeah, I mean, we. I love Brian Kell. I love him so much. Oh, shit, you do on Tuesdays. What do you mean? Your, is it MMA or your, your questions? Yeah, AMA. Yeah, that's Tuesday Woo Day. So, Tuesday yeah. Woo Day. Sometimes it's Monday Fun Day, Sunday Fun Day. But uh, go check them out. $10. I put out six episodes just by myself for $10. Six episodes a week. Okay? That's that is how many uh, a month? 24. A okay. lot. 24 episodes. And that's just me. You get everybody on, on Rockfin. Everybody. So you can also get We Don't Smoke yep. the Same. You also get Broken Sim First Look. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily always way before the Broken Sim, but this week, for example, there was like a half hour of extra So uh, go footage. check that out. Um, what else do we got here? Oh, Cash Daddy's Patreon. Dude, Cash Daddy's a great show, man. We're getting back to our roots. We're getting back to how can you build your business? How can you yeah. become an independent contractor? And that's happening. Uh, it's 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 it, it, Howie in these chaotic times is somehow making money. <laughs> and this is the whole thing. You got to invest. You got to do your own research. Do your investments. And uh, but for twenty bucks, you get daily bets, uh, daily picks to invest in. And uh, people have made money. Yeah, how, how he's how he's great, dude. Yeah. How he's doing great. I mean, the way you guys talk about him, how he knows nothing but stocks is yeah, what you that's want. It. Guys, t-shirts are available. Again, t-shirts. Go to tinfoilatt-shirts.com or click the banner. That's where all the uh, shirts are. Look at that. The lizard people are coming. That's our new shirt. Uh, all My Heroes of Shadow Bands, one of my favorite shirts. All those are there. Bam, pow, one of my favorites. Um. Uh, new, now, I have some social media. We went on an earlier show, so we don't have to do it again. But here's, there's some, like, we had a Discord for the show. Nuked gone. So I started Nuke Social. Sign up for Nuke Social at samtriplee.com. And you could use that to go on the cons only conspiracies telegram and the zero where like-minded people, zero spiritual show again. And you can get like-minded people talking. And I love it. Go through Nuke Social. Then all the free shows that we give, all the free audio. Tim Fall Hat, Broken Sim, which is the Grand Theft Auto of podcasts. Uh, Cash Daddies, the financial show. Uh, Punch Drunks, my sports show. You, you know, The Unwanted, where we have the most important conversations on the internet with some of the best people out there. Uh, that's for free. That's crushing it. And then uh, we do old episodes of Conspiracy Social Club and Zero for you to listen free. Just all we ask you give us a five-star review if you like them. We have radios. Uh, I have all things uh, I have all things Sam Tripoli mix up. And then we just have Tim Full Hat 24-7 of old episodes. You can listen to them there. Anything else, boys? I think that's it. Oh, you can listen to all, see all my special shows. Guys, thank you so much. Again, follow us on social media. Jump on the... Uh, on the email, I'm going to start putting that together because they are always coming out to get me. I love you guys very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Uh, and we will talk to you soon. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.